Hi, this is Kathy Rue, your host of the Liberal Sherpa podcast. May I say the uh, very special edition of the presidential uh, race to the to the White House 2020 presidential special edition of the Liberal Sherpa podcast. I just came up with that, and we really need a theme song, but um, maybe we could find it later and add it in. But here, I'm just going to jump right into my interview with Tom Steyer. Uh, interviewing him right now for the Liberal Sherpa podcast. It's an exclusive. I'm the first and only Latina journalist to talk to Tom Steyer this morning. He's a a Democrat running for president um, to beat Donald Trump in 2020. And as a Latina, I get to ask him the question about what is he going to do for the Latina, Latino, Latinx community and the minorities the minute he becomes president. I'm super excited. I'm going to try to weave in your questions from Twitter, weave in a few questions, and let's go. Let's hear what he has to say. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, Kathy. How are you? Good. Um, can I can I have 10 minutes of your time? Is that okay? Did you put 10 minutes aside for me? Absolutely. Love to do it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Um, so I've, I've read as much as I can about you, but um, I don't believe anything I read. So I, I always love talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a journalist. I'm a print journalist. So there, there goes that, right? Um, but (laughs) so I like to go straight to the source. So I will not repeat a thing that I've read. I will verify with you everything. And, um, and I would, I would love for you to explain, um, your, your views. I, cause I, I don't want to say anything incorrectly. Um, so, so this is from what I understand. I'm I'm trying to be really fast cause I don't want, I know you're a busy man, um, oh, and congratulations on uh, the next debate. I, I see that you're going to be part Thank of it. Thank you very much. Appreciate I, that. I really enjoy watching you. Everything you say, I just nod my, I, I love what you say. So, you know, you've got a real fan here. Um, okay. From what I understand, today you're, you're launching uh, your immigration, um, is it your immigration reform plan, your, your plan for Latinos uh, in the United States and what you what you're hoping to do, your message today to, to the Latinos. Uh, right. And I, I you think... Do you know what my message is? Honestly, when, when I was thinking about this conversation, I was thinking about the things I've done over the last 35 years. Which is... In regards to Latinos and immigration, I was starting way before 2007, just so you know. Exactly. So, okay. So that's exactly my point. You've been at this for... 35 years you've actually been caring about immigration and minorities and helping yeah. and helping people. Um, so you're not... If you look... Yeah. This isn't because I'm running for president. Right. That's what I figured out. I, my wife and I have been supporting a church-based family resource center that has been welcoming immigrants to San Francisco since 1894. And we've been supporting... It's called Good Samaritan. Good, We've yes. been supporting immigrants in San Francisco, really, for something like 35 years. And that's before Prop 187 passed in California. So that means Prop 187 was a specifically racist anti-immigration bill, which and it passed and then was disallowed by courts. It, but my point 
point being that when we started doing it, it California is now a sanctuary state. And I think everybody's come around to where we were. But at the time, people were very angry. There were people who were very angry at us for supporting immigrants, for supporting immigrants without checking their papers, for in fact welcoming people to San Francisco and trying to uh, give them the resources to get established in the city, particularly in the Mission District of San Francisco, and they were overwhelmingly Latino, and, you know, an awful lot of people from Mexico, but a a ton of people from Central America as well. Exactly. I actually lived in San Francisco, and I know the Mission District um, really well. Uh, Great tapas, great food. Everyone now goes to the Mission District because it's just, like, the funnest place in town. But, um, so yeah, that was my, que- that, I guess that was my main question. I did all this research. You've been giving back to the immigrant community for so long. And this is not because you're just on a stage. And I think the perception by so many is that you're running for president and overnight you suddenly care about causes. You don't. You've, no. you've actually been no, doing we've been doing, we've been, we've been. My wife was the chair of Good Samaritan for years. We've, been, we've given it over a million dollars. They do, you know, that is something that, that is an institution run by Latinos, overwhelmingly for Latinos, even though it's an Episcopal charity. And, and yeah. it is, you know, it is one of the institutions I'm proudest of because the way that it works is people are welcomed in a variety of ways and supported and then they volunteer at Good Samaritan. It's not really a charity, it's a community organization to welcome and support people where the people who are welcomed and supported then turn around and welcome and support the next group. So it's actually a fantastic, um, you know, sort of organic institution led by some absolutely spectacular people. Mario Paz is a really fantastic person has done an amazing job, and it really speaks to, as you said, the mission is an incredible place, and actually we supported a film by the Bratt brothers um, called La Mission about the mission that is a love letter to San Francisco and a love letter to the mission and to the Latino community in the mission. That it's, it's, so that's... That's what's amazing that that I think so many people don't understand. You're not someone who just came out of the blue. And as maybe some of the other people on the stage with you love to say, oh, here's here's someone who's a, a millionaire that's, you know, running for office. But you're self-made. You're, you're exactly what the Latinos uh, dream of. You you reached your American dream. You you are self-made. You, you, you were. Can I talk for one second? Yes. Talk about the other things that I've tried to stand up for in terms of immigration and Latinos. Oh, that's exactly what I want to ask you about. Yes, yes. Because look, in the since President Trump has been governor, I've given, I, I have donated more than three million dollars personally to hire lawyers for people under threat of deportation. You know, I had. A big part of what I've done at the grassroots has been done in partnership with the national Latino organizations to register and engage Latino voters to make sure that their voices are heard and their votes are counted. I was actually made the 
co-chair of the Latino Victory Fund in 2016, which is an organization designed not just to support Latino candidates, but to recruit Latino candidates to make sure that there's Latino leadership, not just Latino voting. And my wife and I started a community bank dedicated to the idea of economic justice, environmental sustainability, and supporting businesses started by women and people of color. I read- where a huge proportion of our clients are Latino and Latina. I read that, and I, and I didn't know if it was true, so I did want to ask you about that as well. So this is all true. And half of your wealth, like uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, also you've made a pledge, goes to um, good causes. Is that accurate as well? Yes. And this is... It, yes. Okay, so, so my, my question is why? Why do you care about our community? Because you, you do care, it sounds like. And, and through your actions and your words, so, you let care. Let me rephrase your question, Kathy. Thank you. Why would I care yeah. about hardworking Americans who are being discriminated against and mistreated? Yeah. Why do you care? No, are you kidding me? Yeah. No one else does. That, why that, you? That, is, that goes to the heart of who I am. Why? Why would I care? Because your mom was your mom a teacher? Well, I read I that. My mom was a teacher, but look. I'd say two things. One, if you believe in God, then you have to believe in standing up for each other. Okay. And you have to believe in standing up for people who are under the gun and being vilified and picked on. So, if I- anyone, who, I believe in God, and I think that's part of being a faithful person, a person of faith. But I think also, look, I'm an American. As far as I'm concerned, people here are American. And I, I'm going to stand up for them every single time. How and do, I'm not going to distinguish that. I, I, I view those people who are my teammates who I care about and who I'm going to stand up for every single time and, and stand with every single time is really how I see it. How'd you see it, though? Stand with. How'd, how'd you see it? What was your first introduction to our plight? How did you see that we were struggling? How did you know? Well, we have a really close friend who grew up in Fresno, whose family, her name, growing up, her name is now Kathy Schember, but originally with Kathy Fernandez. She's one of the most outstanding people I know. And I got to know I moved to California when I was an adult after grad school, really for graduate school. But I got a chance to see through Kathy exactly what this looks like. Yeah. And, you know, there's just not, it's just not a close call. I don't mean to be rude, but I think everyone, the, the progress of America, in my mind, has been the increasing acceptance of America, all Americans as full human beings. And that's really what this immigration question is about, treating people as full human beings with all the rights of human beings and with respect. And isn't that really what I'm talking about in terms of Good Samaritan? I mean, the Good Samaritan was the person who stopped and took care of the, 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 the traveler on the road who needed help when everybody else passed by. Isn't that the Bible story? Exactly. And that that was the person who actually was 
person. It wasn't the institutional person. It wasn't the Samaritans. We're not people who people gave a great deal of status to, but who did the right thing. So this is um, this is your core. This is who you are. Yeah. This is um, yes. This is emotional. This is about what your heart goes to. Yes. And if you don't care about people, and if your heart doesn't feel fellow feeling for other people, other human beings, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, I know I I only have a short time with you. Can I ask you two questions from um? I, I actually have questions. I was an ESL teacher because I was an ESL student. I learned English at six and um, I was an ESL. Really? Yes. Uh, and I learned English as a second language. I learned um, at six and I taught it because I wanted to show hope for my students that they too yes. could yes. be journalists and they could make it in the world. And I taught high school and I, I asked one of my students who's now a junior um, I told him I was going to be interviewing someone uh, running for president, and I asked him what what would he ask? What if he had the opportunity? What would he ask you? Because your mom was a teacher, and I said I I read that, so I was hoping it was true, and yeah. um, and I was saying it's true. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I said I think he'll listen to your question because his mom was a teacher, and it sounds like he cares. And he he was he rattled off five different things. Um, but what you covered basically was the respect factor. He, um, is it okay if I ask you what he asked me to ask you? Totally. Totally. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. So his name is Jefferson. Um, he was actually born Jefferson. in this, okay. he, he was born in this country. He is an American, but he moved, um, because his mother had cancer back to Ecuador. He came back not knowing how to speak English. He's in high school. He's learning English in high school. And I was part of helping him a couple of years ago. I was his ESL teacher. Even though I do all these other things, I went back to the classroom to help ESL kids to give them hope. His question, um, his question was, what are you going to, this is exactly what he said. And he, he started the year loving Trump. Now he says, Trump hasn't helped us, meaning students. He said, um, education, they teach me English, but then they just throw me out, the, they're throwing us out the door. How is Mr. Steyer, how is he going to help the education of those of us that, that are a little bit behind? We're, 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 immig- we're not immigrants. He's, a, he's an American. He was born here. He said, but I don't speak English very well, but my skin color is telling people not to treat me with the respect that I see other people getting treated with. And I need a stronger education can, how's he going to help me make it? How's he going to help the next generation? Because I want to work for the FBI. How's he going to help me? And that was his question. So, and he, he's 16. And he, he's 16. So let me say this, Kathy. I view education completely differently from the way the Trump administration views education. And I prioritize it completely differently. Um, I think that... Mm-hmm. Education is the way that we create future prosperity and prosperous, productive people and citizens. I put, therefore, I look at it completely differently. I don't view it as a cost. I view it as an investment in the American people like him. And I actually believe we have to start really early, you know, with universal pre-K for sure. I understand that in addition what we do in the United States in our K through 
12 education is basically it's paid for on a local property tax basis or state basis and that well uh, kids from high income school districts get many more dollars uh, allocated to them than kids from low income school districts yes so when i think about the united states first of all i think of education completely differently i believe teachers need to be better paid and much better supported and that education is a strategic imperative for the prosperity and success of the American people. So that's a completely different way of thinking about it. And I view that his success as something which is, of course, it's important for him and his family and their, his right to try and live out the American dream, but it's also important for his family, his community, and the country that he succeed and that he be invested in it, supported in that success. So I see this, in addition, I see this as partly justice, making sure that everyone has equal opportunity to education and advancement. I see it as a really different investment in terms of how we're gonna create true prosperity and success in America by investing in each other. But also I view this as the only way to create true mobility in society, to give people the actual chance at the American dream, which is to fulfill all your capabilities and to be able to go as far as your capabilities and talents will take you. So when I think about him, I think we need to be spending, devoting the resources, spending the money to make sure that he has the capabilities. And you know, where does he live? He's actually in, um, Northburg is an urban area. I taught in an urban school, uh, a lot of uh, police officers. We have to keep the kids safe. A big, big, big urban school. And he feels he do, he's not getting an equal education. Which state? New Jersey. Okay, he, isn't, he probably isn't getting an equal education. And that's why I was trying to say that as far as I'm concerned, the education between school districts is remotely equal. And that, that the federal government has got to step in in a much bigger way to try and make that equivalent and give him a chance. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with what he's saying. And that means what we need to do at the federal level is to reprioritize education and reprioritize specifically education from people for, for people who are not getting the, the resources they need to advance, and that there's you can't talk about that without talking about race and ethnicity. It's, it, yeah, it's um, it's the opposite of the approach that's taken right now by the uh, education department. This is an no, opposite. They, they, they don't like education. They don't. They, they are fine with racism. Uh, they're you know, as far as I can tell, they're trying to destroy education across the United States of America and cut. Spending because they view it as a cost that is unfairly borne by rich people and corporations. And I see it exactly the opposite way. Yeah, and in that school, the kids were segregated. The ESL Spanish Hispanic kids uh, did not have air conditioning in their rooms, and the other kids, the uh, they had air conditioning. No way. Yep. Seriously? Yep. Oh my God! Yeah, no, no. I talked. I talked there. That's awful. Yeah, I sweated with the kids. I I felt what they felt. It, yeah. And um, that's, that's what he wanted me to ask you about because he, he's sweating, you know, in the summer and he's freezing in the winter. And he wanted me to you ask you that. He wanted me to ask you. I him. have his back. Uh, I have his back. That, okay, he, he may, he his may... concern to me is a critical priority for the United States of America to create actual prosperity. Everybody wants to talk about economics? Yes. This is about economics fall out of investment in the American people. And his success. His success is our success. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a true patriot. He wants to serve the country, but he's afraid he can't yeah. get there with an inferior education. Um, yeah. And then, and then um, I'm gonna list everything. I know that you you're t- today you're addressing DACA and um, the the wage gap and uh, visas and our legal status. I know you're addressing all of that today. I'm I'm definitely gonna repeat this after I, I lose you off the phone because I know you're super busy. I've one one more question. Is that okay? One more question from. Yeah. Um, Okay, this comes from your, you may laugh. This comes from Charles Payne, and he's on Fox Business. And he told me that no Democrat cares about Latinos and minorities. That's what he told me. He said, I don't see them caring about us. And I, I challenged him. I said, they do. And, and guess what? I'm going to talk to uh, Mr. Steyer today. Do you have a question? He wants to know about workers. What what do you see in the workplace when it comes to helping minorities, Latinos in the workplace right now? Because the wage gap is incredible, especially for Latinas like me. We're making 50 something cents, 58 cents to every dollar. I know. Yeah. And that's uh, the biggest gap right now is between a Latina, me and um, a non-Hispanic male. So, so, so let's start with the idea that I'm for equal equal pay for equal work. Right, okay. Second of all, I believe that we should have much, I I will push for much stronger unionization, which will hopefully raise everybody. I'm afraid I've been fighting for a $15 minimum wage, not that I think it's sufficient, but I've been doing that for five years. We need to actually make it possible. You know, I will, the NLRB should be representing workers and we need to push back against a 40-year war on unions and organized labor to take away the right of people to negotiate for themselves. I think in addition, you know, I am for um, paid family leave. I'm for um, subsidized childcare. I'm for all the things that that line up, that make it possible for women to pursue their career seriously and and take pressure so that you can, so that a family can exist and both parents, if there are two, can work. I think beyond that, you know, I, one of the things that my wife and I did, which I said, Kathy, was start a bank, part of the, the mission of which is specifically to support businesses owned by women and people of color. Why? And what we've seen is that Latinas... Yes actually are starting business at the fastest rate of any people in the United States. Did you know that? Oh, absolutely. I started mine because I wasn't getting treated equally in the workplace. Incredible entrepreneurs. And so one of the things that I specifically tried to do with that bank is to make sure that there's capital to support people who don't get capital from the institutional parts of America. So not just to push for fairer wages, but also to put different people in charge of the economic system and give people a chance to actually own and run things. Does does this go back to the person you met, Kathy? The the, the Fernandez was it, Kathy Fernandez? The does this yeah. does this all go back? Well, to... that's, she's just a personal friend who, who, who to me who oh. grew up in Fresno, so had the California experience. And open, the day she was born. And opened your eyes? But I think also, okay. you know, what we'd seen, we were pushing back because we'd seen that this financial system is prejudiced and discriminatory and takes away the chance of people to build 
businesses and to buy homes. You know, one of the things that we did, Kathy, in with this bank was specifically to get used car loans, where our clientele is overwhelmingly Latino. In California, everybody needs a ride. You got to get to work. Right. And if you put together people who are uncomfortable in the institutional financial world, absolutely need a car, with a used car salesman, you get the, a chance for incredible abuse. And so we specifically set that up to try and give people a fair loan with used cars. And it, every single branch we have is bilingual. And I'd say that the overwhelming number of our customers in this are Latino. And, that's, and we knew that before we ever started. So to me, there's this question about, you know, you were asking about a 16-year-old, how can I be fairly treated? Yes. We've been trying really hard to bring that treatment to, to the world of finance, both in terms of lo- in terms of loans, in terms of cars. We've supported over 6,000 low-income housing units in the last three years. But also specifically to support businesses so people can have a chance to build things on their own and, you know, be in charge. Do you think you could pull it, you've pulled it off already in so many ways. Do you think um, when, when you're, I'm going to say when you're president, when you're president, when you're elected, do you think you could pull this off? Do you really think it's possible? Do, do to you, pull what off? To pull all of this off. Do you really think you could help all of us? Yes. Yes? Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Really? And let me make one other point as long as we're talking about this. Yes. One of the things, you know, I'm, I said climate's my number one priority. Yes. I do it from the basis of environmental justice, and I always tell people, I know you think you know who the environmentalists in this world are and who cares about climate and who cares about clean energy and who cares about pollution, but what you don't, but you're wrong. Number one people in this country care about all those things are Latinos. And that's where I start. That when you talk about all those issues, the group of people in the country who put it first to Latinos, the number two group is African American. You start with environmental justice. That's how we've gotten so much done in climate. We start with the communities who really care. That, and we look for leadership from those communities. And it, it, it's amazing because I've seen your passion on the stage and um, and I've read about it, but I, I just didn't want to believe it till I, I talked to you. And um, you just can't hide your passion. And I'm so, I'm so happy. No, I care about this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's, Thanks, a, it's, it's a true relief. Thank you so much for caring about us and, and being up there and fighting for us. And uh, Jefferson will be well, very happy to know that you've got his back. I'm going to let him know right yeah. away. Um, even though he's not, allowed, he's, not, to to he's not allowed to text at school, but I'm going to text him. Uh, thank you and have a wonderful okay. day. Um, and I will spread the word. You thank too. you. Thank you, sir, for your time. Ciao. Ciao. Okay, that was awesome. Uh, I don't know how many of you know, but I interviewed politicians, um, uh, notable people, uh, anyone inside the Beltway who had something to say who was super duper important and in the headlines uh, for 12 years for the Washington Post. And most of them just had like talking points. Um, Some didn't have much passion, uh, but I would say 90% were really awesome. And Tom Steyer, I would have to say, is one of those people. You could... Feel his passion. I think it's because his mom was a teacher, but that's just my theory. 
But as promised, um, I really want to tell you, he came out today with what he's going to do they, uh, the minute he becomes president. This is exactly what his release says. And it, it just went out to some of the media. And I'm lucky that I'm uh, one of the first to see this. So if you want to hear what he's going to say, uh, this is right off. He said from day one, he plans to uh, restore common sense and humanity to our immigration system. And he will, one, use executive action to reinstate DACA uh, and end the Muslim travel ban. Uh, next bullet point, he's going to work with Congress to create a pathway to citizenship for undocumented Americans. Next, he's going to reform ICE. Um, to reflect our values and our culture. Then next, he's going to end family separation and cruel detention policies, which I know many of you say Obama did and um, Trump has done. Um, whatever. This is what he plans to do. Next, uh, he's going to, needless to say, families are being separated. So we could all agree on that one. Uh, he's going to reform uh, interior enforcement so uh, that communities can live without fear. That's nice. I'd like to live without fear. I'm afraid of a lot of stuff. And a lot of immigrants, um, undocumented people are afraid all the time. So yeah, no fear. Good thing. Next, support immigrants who have served in America's armed forces. How can you argue with that? Uh, then he's going to appropriately resource federal agencies that provide administrative immigration services. He's going to form the administration. Um, immigration courts, which I don't know if you all know, but detention centers are a mess. Uh, even during the Obama years, I read about it. Awful. Uh, gosh, I almost sound like Trump with that. Huge, awful, um, sad. Okay. Uh, and he's going to next preserve and prioritize family-based immigration as a core value in our immigration system. How can you be against families? Come on. Next, increase transparency and fairness when in the visa um, process. Next, he's going to work with universities, research labs, and private sector to recruit and retain talented thinkers and builders from around the world. And by the way, side note, my mom was recruited to uh, work with Bell Labs. She had a PhD in math, and she helped invent a bunch of stuff with the telephone, including call waiting, call forwarding, call conferencing. So yeah, thanks, mom. Uh, next, protect farm workers. And we all love farm workers, so how can you not love that? And um, it's going to reinforce border enforcement and national security. So yeah, national security, who doesn't agree with that? There are a few other bullet points, but uh, as you can tell, he's a passionate man, and I, I believe he's going to accomplish these things, and he's going to work really hard, and um, I don't think he's going to wear a MAGA hat while doing it. And if you listened to uh, the interview, I was able to weave in a lot of questions. I wasn't able to give all the shout outs I wanted to give to those asking the questions, but um, they came from uh, Twitter. Okay, this came from at um, Miller Neal, S-C-H-I-M-L-E-R Neal. Uh, he was able to ask a question. Uh, the Kathy Aru fan club was able to ask a question, which by the way, is not run by me. Um, but it's run by, I think Rust Belt revolution. You could look him up on or look her up. I think it's him. No, it's him. It's, uh, on Twitter, rich NYC also had a few questions about, um, security. 
border security. So I was able to uh, incorporate a question from uh, RR13NYC. Uh, and let me make sure I'm not leaving one out. Oh, and Sal Mauro. Uh, it's at Sal from Flushing. S-A-L-F-R-O-M-F-L-U-S-H-I-N-G. So uh, all of you asked questions and I was able to weave them in, but I wasn't able to give you the shout out. So I'm giving it to you right now. I hope you like today's podcast and I hope to get um, lots more of these presidential candidates and maybe we'll get the man himself, Trump, to talk to me. Okay. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers.